This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Let's take a second to thank today's sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is by far the absolute easiest way to make a podcast. And when I say easy, I mean easy. First of all, it's completely free and there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit right from your phone or your computer. Best of all, with Anchor, you can add any songs from Spotify directly to your episodes. So the possibilities are endless on what you can create. Whether you want to create a music analysis, your own radio show, a deep dive on your favorite genre or artist, or something that the world's never heard before. Anchor will even help publish your show to Spotify so you can reach hundreds of millions of listeners. Oh, did I mention there's no copyright on the songs? Yeah, it's that easy. You guys want to start a podcast that includes music, or you guys just want to start a podcast in general, get started by downloading the free Anchor app or going to anchor.fm. And if you need some inspiration, you can head over to blog.anchor.fm slash music from some more idea starters. Thank you so much, and let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. Today's episode, I am interviewing Josh Landon. Josh Landon, if you guys don't know who he is, sold two businesses in under two years to two alcohol giants. 222, if that's your angel number. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But Josh has raised over $42 million, yeah, million dollars to date for his numerous businesses without any venture capital. And if that doesn't sound super impressive to you, I don't know what will. I'm currently in the process actually trying to raise money for my startup, Rella. If you guys didn't know, we just started a separate podcast all about social media tips for it. So you guys should definitely check it out. But for Rella, we're actually talking to different people and trying to raise money and trying to get investors, whether that be angel investors. We're talking to some venture capitalists, but um, we're kind of doing a friends and family round to start. And 42 million let me tell you, it's not easy. He doesn't make it sound easy, but it's incredible at how many people believe in him, and rightfully so. You guys will see. He also just sold Ashland, which is his hard seltzer company, to Anheuser-Busch after only 11 months building the brand. That's right, less than a year building the brand, and he already sold it to Anheuser-Busch, one of the largest alcohol companies in the world. He sold his first business to Coors for just, just take a guess on how much money he sold it for, um, for a hundred million dollars. And he started out as a surf filmmaker. So it's not like he was in the, you know, business of startups before he wasn't in the business of venture capital or, you know, investing or anything like that. He didn't, he didn't have connections growing up. He didn't go to college and his story is really incredible. He's someone that you can tell, um, really believes in himself. And I think when you are starting a company, that's something that is crucial. I feel like you have to be confident in your company. You have to be confident in yourself because other people can see that. And he just radiates like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like I'm, I'm going to build a company that will be sold for a hundred million dollars. You're going to want to invest. And, Honestly, like it's it's so inspiring, especially as someone who is currently in the process of trying to raise money. It's really incredible. He is a self-taught genius at capital raising. So I was happy to dive into that. And he has investors like Lauren Everett, The Salty Blonde, Allie Grant, Chris and Lauren Lane, actor Adam Devine, and a bunch of other people you guys can find on his website. But honestly, I was most surprised at how chill and down to earth he was. He was just a normal guy. And it was really, really cool talking to him about all of this. It, it felt like you were just talking to like your friend 
just after work one day about you know the weather but instead we were talking about raising 42 million dollars like it was a really cool conversation and it was really impactful and really meaningful to me whether you are looking to raise money or not i think it's just a really inspirational episode i feel like we talked about business 20 percent of the time and the other 80 percent was just about his life and his perspective and as for my little life update of this intro i am currently in north carolina so i'm back in north carolina a lot of you guys are probably like wait what and it's because I had booked this plane ticket um, before I even left for Miami. I was planning on coming back here because if you didn't know, I'm currently renovating a house and I'd love to do a whole episode on that. If that's something someone's interested in, I'd love to have Chloe, my sister on the show so that she can kind of do a deep dive into what it's like to renovate a house because I definitely have to give her majority of the credit while I am fronting the bill. She is doing most of the work, I would say, in the sense of like the budget and picking out selections and I'm kind of just signing off on final approval but she's definitely the brains behind it so i'd love to have her on a podcast but i'm back here because there are some updates with the house and i just wanted to see it and be here for selections and also i really wanted to see bambino he's here with my family and a lot of people were like well why don't you bring him with you and when i got him he was kind of like my dog slash a family dog we never discussed exactly who he was i was like i really really want a dog i paid for him i bought him i'm taking him to the vet and all of that stuff but he really is just a family dog since he's been living with my family since day one um so my mom is absolutely in love with him and she's like you can't take him to a small apartment he has to be here with like a big yard and to run around and um you know he doesn't have to go in an elevator so for now while the weather is warm and until my house is done tbt we'll see um where he goes after that but i just also felt bad taking him away from what he knows you know he's grown up here i know he's only six months but he's been here for a while and i just felt bad taking him away from that and bringing him to an apartment with only one person when here he has a dog and literally like five people around at all times so we'll see but i miss him so much so i'm planning on coming home literally like every three weeks once a month i feel like that's a good good option staying here for a week um especially while my house is being done and because i just miss him so much so kind of that's the update here but being back here in north carolina i just I realized like I am so glad that I am forcing myself to get out of my comfort zone and go to a new city in a place where, um, you know, I don't really have that many friends. I feel like I don't have that many friends here in Charlotte either, but being on your own and living by yourself, like you're forced to meet people because right now I'm 100% by myself and I'm like, okay, if I don't do anything, I don't do anything. So it's just been nice forcing myself to make friends and that's definitely something that is hard for me because I'm an introvert. I really really am I do best when I'm by myself and I enjoy being by myself but then I get really lonely and I'm like kind of it's it's kind of like a I self-sabotage because I'm like oh no I'd rather be by myself I'd rather be by myself I'd rather be working and then like a weekend comes around and I don't have an excuse to like be working all the time and I don't have anyone to hang out with so it's been forcing me to be more social and I'm really excited to do that moving forward so if you know anyone that lives in Miami or South Florida um and you think that they would be a good friend <laughs> dm me because I am open to new friends if there's any youtubers you know I'd love to reach out to them I feel like there's not that many youtubers that live in South Florida I know of a few but I feel like majority of people live in New York or LA still and now people are moving to Miami but like it's still not majority of people 
If you guys like to watch YouTube and you guys didn't know, I do have a YouTube channel and I'm going to be vlogging my entire experience. So if you are someone who wants to see what living in South Florida might be like, then definitely follow along because I feel like whenever I was also back at home in North Carolina, I was so unmotivated and I didn't want to vlog that much. I felt like every day was the same and it's kind of forced me being by myself to switch up my vlogs and to do things fun for the vlog, if not for myself. So I think you'll enjoy those vlogs if you guys really like them um, and I definitely think that that will help and of course before we jump into the episode with josh don't worry we're jumping in if you guys don't like long intros just fast forward but i feel like i want to make the podcast a little bit more fun and kind of like a community so i love um just chatting with you guys on here and of course i love doing the reviewer of the week so if you guys don't know reviews help podcasts so much and i'm going to ask you guys right now if you enjoy this episode to please 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 stop whatever you're doing unless you're driving of course and review the podcast please give it five stars it would mean so so much to me because that is how you get your podcast to grow and I feel like my podcast hasn't really grown it's been pretty stagnant and it's been not discouraging but I noticed that I haven't been putting as much effort into it but I'm really stepping it up this year and it would just mean a lot to me if you guys found any joy in listening to this any educational resource any anything to pass the time if you if you have clicked on this episode and you like it or clicked on any previous episodes please give it five stars I it would just mean so much to me and if you screenshot it and send it to me I will personally thank you so definitely be sure to dm me if you do decide to leave a review this reviewer of the week comes from a username that I cannot pronounce and it says love 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 I am planning on working in advertising and this podcast has helped me prep for the transition from college to the real world amazing i love hearing your experience this has helped you i try to bring on a diverse group of guests and a bunch of different people that work in different fields so i'm glad that this helped and if you guys did like this episode again be sure to give it five stars but anyways this intro has been long enough so let's get into the episode with josh let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production especially when you are battling frizz and take it from me i live in miami florida it is about to be summer I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time, you know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. 
Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Hi, Josh. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm really excited to get into your story and your journey. I've researched a lot about it and it's super inspiring. So we're going to start with setting the record straight. And this is some stereotypes and assumptions. And you'll let me know if they're true or false. I'm ready. So the first one is that you need to have connections to build a successful company. False. Because, I mean, I didn't know anything about beer or, I mean, anything about the alcohol business at all when I started St. Archer. So um, I guess the connections came, like the athletes that I started the brand with, um, I guess there was connections there, but I had not one connection to the alcohol business, zero. Yeah. So I, I, I just made all of the connections um, but I've never been like a big networker. Right. I hate, I hate that actually. Yeah. I, 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 I'm not that person. I feel like it should come naturally. Like if you meet someone and then obviously you form that connection, but I'm not yeah. a huge fan of like the cold email or no getting lunch just to pick someone's brain. Like, I don't know. I just, no. I'd rather have it be a natural connection and then you can, you know, see yeah. if you can network that way. But yeah, I don't think that you need connections. Connections will come also as you like build your business, I think. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's easy for people to kind of get lost in that. It feels like a used car salesman kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm (laughs) I'm definitely not that. So I would rather be in the corner with, with my wife and friends than like, I don't know. Right. I, yeah, I've never been big in that. And the next one is that everyone can be an entrepreneur. False. Yeah, I agree Um, with you. I, I mean, it's funny because I, I've spoken to a few, um, like entrepreneur 
like whatever master's programs, one at USC, the Marshall School of Business. I've been there a few times and spoken to the students. And funny thing is I never went to college. So I'm kind of standing there going, I don't know what the fuck to tell you really. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like the last person you, sh- I, I shouldn't even be, you know, um, shouldn't even be here speaking to you about this. But I think the, um, I think being an entrepreneur is, is, um, first of all, it's not everything that everybody thinks it is by reading the magazines and, um, it's all, a lot of it's personality mm-hmm. and like personality comes through and, um, your drive and, and work ethic. And I think in a lot of, and just like your personality to, you know, um, authentically lead people with whatever your vision is, right? Like, I think those are God-given abilities. I, I do not believe they're learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I... can either, I think you can either do it or you can't. And right. um, it's just like when I was a filmmaker, it's like either you can tell stories um, authentically through film or you can't. Mm-hmm. And that's just period. Right. Yeah, right. And it's the same thing being an entrepreneur. Same thing. What personality traits do you think an entrepreneur has? Um, I think everybody's different, but for me, a lot of it is just that I think the, the successful ones have that personality where everybody for the most part believes in your authentic message and follows it. Mm -hmm. Um, That could be raising capital that could be like running, you know, leading the day to day business. Um, You know, ultimately, if you're if you're in an acquisition, you know, the the folks that are acquiring you, do they believe in where you want to take the company? And do they like being around you? Right? Mm -hmm. Do they believe in what you're trying to do? And I think, um, you know, those are probably the biggest things. Uh, I, I think but I think that's all God given, right? Like it's, it really is. And it's not even like, it's not even an arrogant thing. Like I'm, I'm definitely don't think I'm any better than anybody else. If anything, I'm just like everybody else. I've just like had this vision and drive and work ethic and personality to, to kind of um, used all those things to my advantage. But um, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I I agree with you. And I also think entrepreneurship is a lot more glamorized on social media and on TV and it makes it look easy or it makes it look like I I don't want to have a boss. I want to work for myself because I hate working for a company, but Mm -hmm. you don't see all the work that goes into it. So, you know, you see like a snippet and then it's like, oh, that looks easy. I can do that. And it's it's like so much harder. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one is you need experience before starting a business. No. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I didn't have experience as a filmmaker and I was a working filmmaker for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I didn't have any experience at building businesses and I've done okay. Yeah. So like <laughs> I, you know, so definitely not. Yeah. And I'm curious, what were you interested in being when you were younger? So when you were growing up, did you want to be a filmmaker? Did you want to be an entrepreneur? Uh I really only wanted to be three things. And like, I don't even think I've ever wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Like I've never even say that. Like when people ask me what I do, I don't say I'm an entrepreneur. It sounds stupid. 
Right. You know, like I just say, yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the alcohol business. You know, like I don't, I feel weird saying that. It sounds like you're unemployed. Yeah. You know? like it, it's, um, I think, uh, so I wanted to be a sportscaster when I was a kid. Okay. Um, I love sports. I'm a huge Philadelphia sports fan. So I, I love sports. And so I wanted to be a sportscaster. I mean, I, I guess it's not out of the cards yet. You never know. Like I, right. I, 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 and then I wanted to be a filmmaker and I still am like all the films for the brands from St. Archer to everything in between to Ashland. Um, I've made all the films, every single one of them. So awesome. I, but yeah, I never really wanted to be an entrepreneur. I guess looking back, I always thought it was exciting to um, talk about like doing a t-shirt company with my friends, or I was always excited about those things. Um, so I guess it, that, that spirit was there of mm-hmm. doing something on your own and kind of building something. Um, but being a filmmaker is really entrepreneurial, right? You're doing it all. You're especially making documentaries. You're creating all of it. You're finding a way to like pay for it. You're getting distribution for the films, however that is. And so it's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's kind of led me to that. But, um, but I've only really wanted to do two things, I guess. Yeah. And you did start as a filmmaker. You said that you were doing it for 10 years. Is that right? Yeah, about that. Uh, About that, a little bit longer. So how did you make that transition then? Because filmmaking and working in the alcohol business are very, very different. (laughs) So how do you make the transition to, because you first started a beer company, right? I did. And then hard seltzer. So what were all those like transitional moments? Was it a lot different? Than and there's, there's probably four companies in between that five. Oh, wow. What other companies have mm-hmm. you started? So after St. Archer, I did a company called Villager Goods, um, which was an organic coconut water and organic kids juice called Little Villager. And then I did, um, I own, I co-founded a alcohol distribution business here in San Diego called Scout Distribution. And we started another brewery called Harlan. And we have a wine business called Claxton Cellars. And then I did Ashland. Wow. So you've dabbled in everything alcohol also. I feel like mm-hmm. brewing, distribution, seltzer, beer, mm-hmm. wine. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So how did Everything. you do, or how did you go from filmmaking to then the alcohol business? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a, I just had the idea for St. Archer. I was on a surf trip and I, I, um, a friend, uh, a tequila company asked a friend to be a part of their brand as an investor and ambassador. And he asked me what I thought. And I said, mm, why don't you do a beer? And better yet why, like why not a craft beer like we actually drink that and um a light bulb went off and I said I wonder why there's never been a craft beer like from our culture skateboarding mm-hmm. and surfing and you know film art photography like kind of real like living in the outdoors and what real like California is not so much like Pacifico on the beach in board shorts California which is mm-hmm. total bullshit that's not even real <laughs> Um, so I, I said, why doesn't that come from us? And like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I'm like, it's a craft beer. Like how hard could it be? Well, it was fucking really hard. Yeah. How hard was Um, it? (laughs) It was fucking hard. I mean, I think like it was really hard. Um, my wife and I, we've been together since we were in high school. Um, we're both 41 now and, 
um, you know, I think we, we, you know, when I had the idea for St. Archer, my daughter was three and a half and my, my oldest son was six months old. And I went home and told her I'm, I'm quitting making movies and we're going to move to Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara, San Diego and build St. Archer. And I'm going to do what's called a capital raise. And like, people are going to give me money to like build this company. I had no Mm -hmm. idea what a capital raise was. And she said, okay, I'll find us a place to live. That's incredible. uh, She, it's beyond Um, looking back. It was, it was such an unbelievable thing to have that support. I think, um, unconditional support I think maybe I didn't even appreciate it as much as I do now right like you once you reflect back on it it really was an unbelievable thing the whole thing was unbelievable Mm -hmm. I think um you know raising three million dollars and I didn't even know I wasn't a brewer I didn't know anybody in the beer business like and people gave me three million dollars to build a craft brewery in, in the most competitive beer market in the country did you know how big your company was going to be? Because I mean, $3 million is obviously not a little bit of money. So people must have mm-hmm. believed that you were going to start something they big. Did. did you believe that yourself? Always. That's the funny thing is like, you know, when people say like, man, can you believe this has happened? I would say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I, I, I always wanted to do, if I wanted to do something small, I would have built a craft brewery in Ventura where, where we're born and raised, right? It's a hundred thousand person town, a small little coastal surf town in Southern California. And um, I would have just done it there, but I wanted to be in the biggest pond and be the biggest fish in the biggest pond. Mm-hmm. And that pond is San Diego. And so for me, my plan was to always be, I always thought I would be successful whenever I kind of found my, like whatever I was going to do. And um, I always believe that and not in an arrogant way, I think more so just like a confidence way. Yeah. Like I knew I believed in myself to do something that was special mm-hmm. and I wholeheartedly believed it. Like it wasn't bullshit, just feeding my ego. Like I just kind of believed that I would do something. Mm-hmm. and um luckily Janine did too right like that's a big deal yeah because um, I think a lot of a lot of this stuff ends with the spouse mm-hmm. right like you could have all the confidence in the world and when your wife or husband says are you out of your fucking mind we're not going anywhere we have yeah. two kids and like what do you mean you know I think that happens more often than not yeah and so um yeah, raising $3 million, like I thought, it, but you know, in, in the craft beer business, that's not a lot. You know, it's really expensive to um, build breweries from scratch. And um, so it wasn't a lot. It's not a lot. Um, but yeah, it, but it was crazy to do mm-hmm. it. How did you approach people to raise that money? So you, especially because you didn't have experience in the industry, you weren't, you know, working at an alcohol company beforehand. So how did people trust you to with this $3 million or how did you first raise this 3 million? Were you just pitching to anyone you could? Yeah. Were you strategic with it? I mean, literally anybody that would give me money. I was yeah. like, <laughs> great. Um, I think, um, you know, I get this question a lot, right? Um, Cause I think it, it, it sounds amazing to go get $3 million to build your business. Right. Um, but really they're investing in you. 
right? right. Like nobody knows about craft beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know about craft beer, right? <laughs> like, so um, they're really believing in me. And like what people want to hear is, are you, is your like life on the line? So like, think about my situation. I moved to San Diego with a wife and two kids under the age of four with like, we put everything we had into the business and it had to fucking work. Like it had to work. Like Mm -hmm. that's who, and then like, do people believe what you're saying? Do they believe you? Are you like a believable, likable person? Like when you look in the mirror and like have an honest assessment of yourself, are you really that person that people will like run through a brick wall for? Mm-hmm. And like, um, I had all that. Yeah. I, you know, like I put everything on the line and my back was against the wall. And like, I'm a passionate person when I believe in something. And I think people believed in me and they just said, like, you know, most like when I get business plans now and people want me to invest in their business, you know, most of the time they're like, well, I'm doing this, but I want to do this. And then I will. And I'm like, whatever. Right. So, yeah. Right. Like um, most people don't want to jump into the deep end, mm-hmm. but like the deep end is, is where it starts. And that's the scariest part. But people, especially in today's world, they want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to be in the shallow end and they want everybody to give them everything. And that's not the way it works ever. Yeah. So that's why it's... I mean, you, you, you took that risk, you know, you invested in yourself, even if you didn't Mm -hmm. have the money, you still invested Mm -hmm. in it because Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have moved to a a different city with your kids making no money thinking, Oh, well, Mm -hmm. if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like Mm -hmm. it was a hundred percent going to work. Like there was no other option. Yeah. And that's my personality too. Like for me to fail, you're going to have to put a knife through my throat. Yeah. You know, like that's not an option. Right. And so, and like a lot of people say that because it sounds, it's like a sexy thing to say, right? Yeah. I'll never quit. All this fucking bullshit. Right. But like, do you really mean that? Mm-hmm. Like when push comes to shove, are you really like, are you really going to do what it takes? And I think that's the ugly side of building your own business and being an entrepreneur that people don't see. They don't see like the, the, the hardships it puts on your family and uh, what it does to you, you know, the stress and anxiety and in a lot of cases, depression, as you go kind of go through these ups and downs and, it's all there. I always tell people there's moments of fun, right? It's like a moment where we'll all be out to lunch or we'll all be having drinks or we'll all have like, you know, like it'll be, it's moments. Everything else is stress. Yeah. It's not like, it's not, it's not like a fun, more often than not, I'm saying to myself, the fuck am I doing? (laughs) like like this is like this is like this is ridiculous how hard this is on me and everybody else right and um that's the kind of stuff people never say 
Have you ever thought about quitting or have you ever thought about oh, dude, all the why time. did I do this? Yeah. <laughs> yes, all the time. That's the thing. It's like I never hear the those answers from like people that call themselves entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, you don't hear that end of it. They you don't hear guys, and I've had a lot of success, you know. Um you, they don't hear saying like the the hardest two years. I mean, my marriage. The hardest two years of our marriage was doing St. Archer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was hard. It's like, it's amazing. We made it through it, you know, like, and even now, like Janine, you know, we've kind of, it's always like a marriage is work all the time, right? There's no break. And we've always had to work through all these things. And she's the one who gets a front row seat to me going through the ups and downs of starting a business from scratch and not just one I've done fucking six or seven of them yeah so she had you know like that's you know that's hard that's and then I have three kids you know and you're you're like and I and for me my family is number one by leaps and bounds and work is a distant second and Mm -hmm. will forever be that way but I learned that through the process Right. right. So like it, it's, it's really, really hard. Um, it's really hard. And are you a solo founder or a solopreneur where you don't have co-founders for any of your businesses or do you have co-founders? I do. I, I did St. Archer. I mean, St. Archer, I, I did the whole business by myself. Mikey and Paul are pro skateboarders, Paul Rodriguez and Mikey Taylor. So it wasn't like most of the time with founders, like you're all doing the business together. They weren't. Right. Um, so St. Archer was by myself. Ashland's by myself. Um, and then I'm a founder of this company, Villager Spirits, which is, which we've turned Villager, the coconut water um, and kids juice into a spirits ready to drink cocktail business. And did you, do you think that that makes it harder on you being, um, you know, the, only founder, really the only one that's really, really working in the business or you like doing yeah, it on your own? Yeah, it's better for me. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the businesses I've co-founded, Scout and Harlan and Claxton, um, I'm no longer there working there. Um, and, and those guys are running those businesses now. And, and a lot of that is I'm just better by myself. I'd, yeah. I'd rather make all the decisions and um, run the show and do it my way. And um I think that's actually a true entrepreneur, right? Right. Like when you're on your own and going at your speed and doing everything that you want to do. Right. And how was, I mean, I know that you said it was super difficult, but what is like the first step with starting your craft beer business? Did you look up breweries? Did you look up ingredients or recipes or what's like the very first step for creating a business Um, like that? my first thing was like going to the grocery store and looking at all the other brands. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, what was there? Like what, you know, I saw a whole as like, there was no brand like coming from skateboarding and surfing. Those are some of the best brands in the world. Right. Like there's, so that's like what I came from. That's where my films came from. That's where all my friends are. Like that's that. So that's what I grew up in. Um, and so I just didn't see like a brand, like I would see in skateboarding in craft beer, right. Where it just wasn't there. Like they were basically commodities on the shelf. There was no reason why 
you were buying a ballast point six pack. No reason. There's no right. reason why you're buying, right? Like it was there and you wanted an IPA or whatever it is, right? And, um, but there was no brand around it. There was no story around it. There was no, none of that. That, that was made available to the public. And um, I thought I could do that. And, um, but recipes, like the beers, I hired brewers. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I have never had like a huge hand in what beers we should make or, you know, um, for me, it's all about the brand. Yeah. I mean, you're a natural storyteller, so you've worked in filmmaking. Yeah. You're now your branding expert. So how important was that though, to tell a story through Ashland and through your other companies as well? Was that like always your number one priority mm-hmm. before anything else? The number one. Yeah. Like I think the aesthetic of it, the packaging and um, is always that's, I do that first. Um, and then I think it's like just having a brand that people can connect to that looks good. And, and, you know, when you have a lot of friends like I do that are a part of these businesses with me that are influential and they're telling the story of them owning it and being a part of it, which they are with me, um, people gravitate towards that. You know, that's, there's something there, like there's, there's warmth to the business instead of just like a faceless, nothing like white claw or truly right? Those are faceless, nothing brands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and mean, so, I feel like if I go to the grocery store and I buy alcohol, it's like, I'm picking up what's on the shelf, but I recently just bought this, um, spirit, these, um, liqueurs, they're called Haas. I don't know if you've heard of them. No. Um, it's like a, I think it's a German brand, but I bought it because of the branding. I got it because yeah. it was so beautiful. The yeah. packaging was gorgeous. The, even the way it came in it came with a magazine and it was like spotify playlist for awesome. this flavor and i loved that like i will spend more money it's on awesome. something like that because it's an experience Dude, for sure definitely yeah, yeah so that 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 i think is what sets these brands apart right like i think most people that don't have the it's it's hard to build brands like that right like it's not easy to do that so it's i think a lot of people will focus on like the liquid or whatever they're doing, like the product, but I'm focused more on like the brand and, and telling the story of the brand and, you know, aligning the brand with individual stories that I think are aspirational. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes a long way. So, I mean, people talk about branding all the time and it goes, I think, beyond just the aesthetic of it. So what are mm-hmm. some of your top tips for how to create a powerful brand and a brand that people are going to recognize? You know, the biggest thing for me is like, I just create brands that and tell stories that I inspire me. I think the biggest thing is to figure out like what inspires you and your family and friends. Like, what do you like? Don't mm-hmm. try and I don't make brands for anybody else. Like, I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Like, yeah. I, I don't, if my wife likes drinking it and she likes the look of the can and my best friends like it and, and I don't, I don't care, you know, like I don't ask people's opinions even. <laughs> I yeah. just, I, I, I kind of make it, I kind of do it like, um, I'll tell you that we're the best brand and like, this is what you should be drinking and like connecting to not you tell me what you think I should do. I'll tell you what you should be like thinking is rad. Mm. And that's just the way I think about it. I just don't, I don't ask 
a lot of opinion. There's very select few who I actually ask, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, less than five. Yeah. And what do you think brands are doing today? That it's like a huge mistake when it comes to branding. So like things that you yeah, see and you like lot. cringe at or <laughs> oh, dude, every, I mean, most of them are bad. Yeah. Right. Um, I can't even tell you the last time I saw a beverage business that I liked. Right. I don't even remember. Never. I don't know. (laughs) I've never been inspired by any like beverage. Um, That's not true. Uh, That's not true. When Ballast Point was like on their run and and they put beer in cans and the Sculpin was like going crazy. That was very inspiring. Um, But most of my inspirations come from skateboarding Mm -hmm. um, and and to a small degree surfing. But most of it comes from skateboarding, you know, um, brands that my friends are creating and um, the aesthetics that they create from, you know, the, the early Brixton to Supreme to um, Illegal Civ to Girl to um, FA and Hockey. All those brands are what inspires me, not so much beverage or food. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of mistakes. I think, I think one of the biggest mistakes, especially in today's world where people try and attach celebrities to their business, right. Where they, um, you know, some of the guys and gals that are a part of these businesses with me, um, I hear the stories, right. Like I, they call and ask me what I think, right. Where, you know, um, if somebody like a paper towel business or something crazy like that calls, um, you know, anyone, especially like the females, the influencers that were, we have a part of these businesses. Um, they look to them to like build their business. Like they say, here's 20 grand post this paper towel business. And that's all we need to do. Like they'll do the work for us when really the way I look at it is like my brands are built on, you know, retail distributor pricing strategies you know, quality of liquid, all of these different things, like the brand should be able to succeed without the influence of someone on Instagram, Mm -hmm. right. Or anywhere else. Right. So we have, we have professional athletes like on the whatever. So um, for me, the influencers are a cherry on top. So Mm -hmm. really it just makes the brand go faster. Whereas I think people rely on them. I kind of use them as like the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, It needs to speak for itself. Right. So like, like Ashlyn would have done well with or without all of them, but like, why not build a brand with my friends who have influence? Like why? I mean, why not? It sounds fun. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, and so, you know, but I think that's the hard thing is, is, you know, people want to say, Hey, we want you to like talk about this on your podcast. And like, this is really what we need you. Like, you're going to be the one who like gets the word out there about our brand, but that's only lasts so long, you know? Yeah. How do you work with influencers? So I know it's not your main strategy, but what are some ways that you enjoy working with influencers? You know, for me, they're friends, right? Um, They're friends. So like, it's a very unorthodox right? Like I don't deal with their agents. Mm -hmm. I don't like any of that shit. I don't do any of that. So it's, it's like, you know, Cody Bellinger from the Dodgers, perfect example. I'll like, I'll just be, we'll just text. We'll just, we're just texting. Like, what up? 
what's what's going on blah 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 How's everything? and then uh, like we'll just you know i'll be like hey we we have a new flavor of ashland throw it on the gram okay that's that's it like it's it we're friends so it's it's and, and if i don't if i don't know you or like you're not like a friend of a friend and then i develop a relationship with you then you're probably not a part of these businesses right, right? like no, but there's not one person who's involved that I'm not friends with on like a regular talking, like texting basis, right? Like mm-hmm. that nobody. So for me, it's just a, it's an easy thing. Hey, I'm going to send you some stuff. And they just know, I don't even have to ask them to do anything anymore. Like you're a part of this. We own this together. Like throw it on the gram. Yeah. What are you, what are you doing? Like, what else are you doing today? Yeah. Like you're at the, you're at the pool, you're drinking one, just come on. Yeah. Right? Um, and that it's just a natural deal like that. And I think that's a very unique relationship with these, with some of these folks. And these people have also invested in Ashland, mm-hmm. correct? All of them. So you raised 42 million with Ashland. Is that right? Or was that with your other? For all my brands. Combined. For all your brands. Okay. Yeah. So. I guess the biggest thing when you are asking your friends for money, because I know honestly talking about money can sometimes be sure uncomfortable. or uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So do they just believe in you and they know that what you're going to create is great and you ask them for money? Do you have a formal pitch uh-huh. deck? I'd love to know like the details on yeah. how yeah, to go about all, that. All of the above, you know, we have deck. I mean, you know, when we sold St. Archer to Coors, you know, once you, once you have wins like that, right. Um, it starts to get easier. Right. Um, and I've had every business I've created has been successful in some way, shape or form. Right. Some have been, you know, exits, some are just sustainable, good businesses. Um, so once you get to that point, you know, it's, it, it makes it a little bit easier. Right. right? <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we have everything. I treat it, I, I treat it all the same. Like I don't make light of it, right? If somebody putting in ten thousand dollars or a million dollars, it's all relative, right? Ten grand is that's that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that helps. Like Janine and I don't come from anything. We come from middle class families and her and I sold our wedding presents for money when we got married, right? Yeah. Like we we've we've we lived in like the one bedroom, small, like money on the table to figure out how we're going to buy groceries. We, we did all that, you know? So I don't take it for granted folks putting the, their hard earned money into, into me basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so they get everything like a pitch deck. And if we have samples, they'll get all that. And um, you know, our decks usually look really gorgeous. Um, you know, it kind of goes with the brands and, and, you know, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, all that aside, they're investing in me. Right. You know, that's and just, yeah. When you invest in other businesses, are you mainly investing in the founding company or the founding team, I should say? Or is it also you're really looking to see if it's obviously like a good product or a good service? But what do you mainly look at when you do investments yourself into startups? I haven't invested in one business. Okay. So you don't invest in businesses then? I would. Yeah. Um, I just haven't met somebody who I've said, yep, they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. What would and, you look for? And I haven't seen, I, I mean, 
I like I said, I just want that. I just want to like talk to somebody and go, I fucking believe this guy or girl. Mm-hmm. I just believe them. I just believe they're going to do it. Um, that like you can see it in somebody's eyes, right? You can tell you're like this person, this, this is like, this is special, you know? And I, I haven't seen that yet. Um, I just haven't seen it. Or there's been a couple situations where that just, it just wasn't just something I was interested in, you know, like um, there have been a couple that I, there's one that I wish I would have done and not because of money. Um, I have a couple friends who have started some uh, restaurants um, called board and brew down here. It's a walk up like fast casual sandwiches and beer on draft. And, and then they went on and opened another Mexican fast casual um, place called Casero here in North County, San Diego. And um, they did it, mm-hmm. you know, like they did it and it's successful and people love it. And um, I wish I would have just done it to show the support. Right. Um, but it, it just, you know, like I just kind of, I just should have done it. Um, right. But I, I can only say that about one and I've gotten, I can't even tell you how many. Yeah. How um, many people come up to you like asking a, you? <laughs> a, mil- a million. It's not even like I have people, you know, and I'm like kind of a private person, you know, like um, I contemplate deleting my Instagram for sure. A couple times a week. Yeah. I've deleted it multiple times. Like I, I, I'm not like a, I, I'm not an outward I only like doing this because I think in, in a lot of ways, it's, um, it's fun to inspire people that are just like going, I mean, what's so special about me? Mm-hmm. Like the, there's nothing special about me. I'm just like everybody else. Like I just, I just did it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Literally that is it. Like there's no, I was an awful student. My parents weren't rich. I don't, I didn't have like all these famous friends that just connected me to all this shit. I didn't have anything. Mm. I didn't have anything. And I think a lot of people get, you know, a lot of these people that are, are unrelatable that are being interviewed in some way, shape or form, but I'm just like everybody else. And Mm. and that's, that's what I like about it. But I, I, I have people like, so I'm not like the most accessible person, right? Like I'm, I'm just not, I guess, I don't know. Um, but like, I've had people give me business plans, dropping my son off at school. Oh my I'm gosh. Like, I'm like, I'm taking my son. What are you like? And he's like, dad, you know, yeah. what's, <laughs> why is this guy like, and what, you know, they, um, they understand now, you know, they'll, they're the ones who are like, when we're at Costco and we see someone buying Ashland, they'll say, my dad started that. That's yeah. my dad. Right? Like, I'm like, guys, yeah. You know, um, but I think, you know, people are, you know, they're, they're hustling, mm-hmm. but I think there's a, an appropriate time and place for all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe your kid's school is not one of them. <laughs> Probably not the best place. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I feel like also like how you were saying how you like being on podcasts to be inspirational. I think that's something I always try doing with my podcast is really highlight the realities of whatever career path the person I'm interviewing is on. And a lot of people that listen, I feel like are so scared to start and they're scared to start yeah. for the r- at the right time. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I just need this to happen or I just need this to happen or I don't have a business plan or I don't I'm too squared, scared to quit my job or whatever. There's always excuses. Yeah. There's always. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So did you ever start at any right time or no. did you have a business plan? Did you, no. you just started? None of the above. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, it's like um, the best, the best way, best um, uh, comparison is getting married and having kids. Mm-hmm. There's never the perfect time. You never have enough money. You're never ready for what it means to be a parent. You just, just fucking do it. Yeah. Like just realize, just shut up. And like, are you in love with the person? And do you want to like spend the rest of your life with them? Great. Get married. Mm. Like you don't need this and that and all this bullshit. Those are just excuses. Like that's just like kids. You want to have kids? Great. Have them. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not going to get any easier. Right. And like, if you can pay the bill, like dude, just work harder, right? Like just work harder. If you are stressed about, you know, making money for your family and those things, just stop complaining and fucking work. Mm-hmm. And I think like, it's the same thing with a business. There's never a perfect time. If yeah. there was perfect times for everybody, everybody would have multi-million dollar businesses. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree. And if it was easy, right? everyone would do it too. <laughs> of course. I mean, but I think, you know, like. I think a lot of ways, I think like with school, like if people listening are in school uh, in college or fresh out of college, like, you know, or even, even whatever, whatever age you are, like, I think it sounds great to say, I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to like be a business, you know, all these things. But I think it's really like in those formative years, looking in the mirror and going, am I an employee am I a business owner or am I an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. And like, there, there's nothing better or worse about all of those things, but there's a huge difference between all three of those categories, right? My best friend in the world has owned a salon for 30 years. He's not an entrepreneur. He's a business owner, right? And he knows he's not an entrepreneur, right? He's has not starting multiple businesses and that's just not his deal, right? And then the other person looks in the mirror and goes, I'd rather just have a boss. Like I show up at, you know, eight o'clock, I clock out at six and I don't think about it when I go home and I don't think about it on the weekends. And um, that's great too. Mm -hmm. But I think like half the battle is just looking in the mirror and going, who am I? Right. Like who am I really? Right. And forget the ego and forget like you wanting people to tell you how amazing you are. Like, that that's really the real question to ask yourself. And um, did you ask yourself that question when you mm-hmm. were growing up or when did you kind of realize that mm-hmm. you weren't going to work for someone else or you weren't just going to do one thing and that's it? Like, when did you realize Super that young, like, this was what it was? Right after high school, after getting like fired from multiple jobs. <laughs> um, I think like I just knew that I was going to go my own way you know, like my own path. And I was never scared. It's funny because in my personal life, I've had anxiety and, and like mild depression. And as I've kind of gone along here and um, 
luckily for me, gotten a handle on it in the last couple of years, but I never had that fear mechanism in business. Like I never say to myself, what if it doesn't work out? What if this, or what if I lose everybody's money or what if I don't do that? Mm-hmm. Like ever. Yeah. And it's, and it, I, I don't know why, because like, it seems like I should be doing that. If I'm like have anxiety in my personal life, like why would it not carry over into business? But it doesn't, it, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's that's weird. super interesting, but I think it's a good quality because fear is usually what stops people from doing something. So always. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's usually whenever I talk to anyone who has a business idea or has even on a smaller scale, like wants to start their own personal brand and wants to start a YouTube channel or wants to start a podcast. Yeah. It's always fear that yeah. stops them always like, sure. and out of 10 times. So yeah. Yeah. you don't even like, yes, obviously starting a business, you need money, but you were able to raise money. You were able mm-hmm. to raise money just by people believing in you personally. So mm-hmm. and you didn't have a prior experience before you raised your first round. So no, I don't think there's that many excuses, I guess, that a lot of people might have. It's usually just all fear. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think it's fear. And then I think there's, it's just personality. Right. And like, and that's what I mean. I, I think there's a lot of people who aren't scared to like, go ask people for money. They're just not somebody that people believe in. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you can't really teach that. Right. Like, right. And I think in that scenario, when you go, I guess I can't raise money. Well, then it's not for you. Right. And that's okay. Like, it's good to have that realization. Because mm-hmm. I know plenty of people that have tried to start businesses and they're like, I couldn't even raise $200,000. Doesn't mean you're like a bad person. It just means maybe it's just not for you, you know, and they've tried multiple times. And like, yeah, at a certain point too, you kind of got to go, hey, maybe this isn't me. Right. And that's okay. Like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And do you, so now that you do own multiple businesses and you're working kind of in all of them, what is your daily routine? Like, do you have a steady routine? Do you go to the office every day? Do you, you know, I, I would love to know what uh, your routine Yeah, are. I try to be here every day. My office is in Cardiff in North County, San Diego on the beach. So there's worse places to like force myself to go to. Um, but um, my days are always different. Mm-hmm. Um, I traveled a lot through COVID for Ashland. Um, I was in New York six or seven times in a two month span. Um, I'm always, there's always something different going on meetings and, um, you know, different things. I've been trying more recently to like spend more time taking care of myself, like, you know, mentally and physically and uh, making a point of it to, to work out and swim and surf and, and kind of like really do that stuff. Cause it's really important. You know, I, the stress of all of this is, is so enormous that like I made that kind of deal with myself that um, if you're going to do all of this, then you have to take care of yourself. And if you don't want to take care of yourself, then you're going to have to like stop doing it because mm-hmm. it's not worth like dying over, you know, like yeah. having a heart attack or any of those types of things. Like I have three kids and a wife and I'm not trying to die from a heart attack from all this shit, you know? Right. <laughs> that's, that's not, that's not in the cards. Um, so yeah, every day is different. 
every day is different, which is fun. Um, and I work with my best friends. So like my closest friends work here and they don't even come from alcohol, but I believed in them and, and, and put people around me that I trust, which is the biggest thing. And they've all grown into these amazing um, employees here at Ashland. Like my best friend runs operations. My other best friend is our vice president and they don't come from alcohol, but Mm -hmm. they're, you know, vital to the success of the business. And it's really like a, basically I've created a clubhouse for myself and that's awesome though (laughs) in these businesses with, with, with the people that I love the most. And so it's, it's been awesome. Yeah. And I mean, you've worked for it, so that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm like, it's like, you know, you might as well, if, if you can make it easier on yourself and as enjoyable as possible, then why would you not do it? Mm-hmm. And before we go, do you have any last minute advice for anyone who is trying to start a business and start something that is going to be big? I guess not just a being a business owner, but starting a big company. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, um, I think the biggest thing is like, like I was saying before, but really assessing if this is like, what do you, why are you really doing this? Mm-hmm. You know? And I think like, um, what do you really want out of it? Like, do you want to buy a Bentley? Do you want to like, or you want to buy a big house? Like, what do you, what do you want? You know, do you want to do it? Because it's like, it's your dying passion to have everybody drinking your new beverage or eating your new food or wearing your new clothes. Um, Like, why are you really doing it? And how far are you willing to go? Mm-hmm. And I think people, you know, it's nice to say on your couch while you're listening to this, I'd go all the way, but would you really, like, would you really like put everything on the line, all your relationships, all your everything, everything. Cause I did, mm-hmm. I put like, nothing was standing in my way. And I don't even know if that's like good or bad. Yeah. You know, in a lot of ways that's like insanely selfish and, you know, it, um, but that's what it takes you know, like that's what it takes. When you were asking yourself that question, what was your reason for wanting to be an entrepreneur or wanting to, I know you don't, you don't like the word entrepreneur, but no, 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 it's fair. I I don't mind the word. I just don't call myself that because I, right. But um, (laughs) I honestly, I wanted the approval from people. Um, You know, that's the honest answer. Mm -hmm. Like I think I, the approval I didn't get when I was a kid, um, I wanted approval. I wanted to do something that people were like, wow, that was amazing. You did it. Yeah. And, um, that's the honest answer. Nobody says that. I don't think. Um, yeah. I feel like that, people think that, but they don't say it. So I appreciate yeah. you saying that. <laughs> yeah. Straight up. That's straight up. I mean, I, I wanted, you know, um, I wanted people to like, I wanted that, that, like praise and approval. And that was my driving force. Um, That's why I always say like, you know, like I kind of like discovered I was an entrepreneur, like after St. Archer, like it wasn't like, it wasn't like this life path or because like I said, I did it for approval. I didn't do it as a dying. I didn't have this dying passion for craft beer. That's total bullshit. I didn't, I didn't have that. Right. Um, and then once I, and like a lot of the reason why I wanted to sell St. Archer is I wanted to see how I would feel afterwards. I wanted to see if I would, you know, 
would I want like more money, you know, after having life-changing money? Like, would you, do you want to buy more? Do you, what do you want? And for me, I just wanted to compete. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to keep competing. That's all it is for me is I enjoy the competition and I enjoy the disruption of the brands that I create. Mm -hmm. And money is, is pretty far down on the list. Yeah. Um, Cause if it was about the money, then I would just be, I would have stayed at St. Archer and they were paying me a lot of money. I would have just kept, it would have been fine. Um, but I went all the way back to the starting point again and then again, and then again, like, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to see how I would feel. And then, and then the approval, I didn't even feel like, you know, everybody asked me, how did it feel when the money was in your bank account or when you bought your house or when you had all these cars and vacate, whatever. Right. Um, I never was proud of myself at all the whole time. I never even really smiled or I didn't even really care. Um, you know, the being like, you really have to be proud of yourself and then everything comes from that, but that's a hard place for people to get, mm. you know, to like authentically be proud of yourself and what you've done and what you're doing and the person you are. Like it took me years to get there. And are you there now? Would you say? I am. I am. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Finally, <laughs> finally. Yeah. It only took like seven businesses, and like all this, <laughs> um, but and it wasn't even from that, you know. Like I, like I said, I'm a huge Philadelphia sports fan, and um, the GM and, and vice president of the Eagles is a, an investor in Ashland. And um, right before COVID, I was flying to Philadelphia to have dinner with him and uh, just catch up. And we, um, I was looking out the window, and when I was a kid. I used to look out the window when my mom and I would be flying in and I'd look at veteran stadium where the Eagles play. I would just think it was the most amazing thing every year, every year doing the same thing. And then at 40 years old, flying back in there and looking out the window and knowing that I'm coming back there to meet with the head of the Eagles. Cause he's an investor in my business. I went, I did it. Yeah. That's crazy. That, that was kind of the moment. And it had nothing to do with money or mm-hmm. attention or I went like, dude, you did it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like you should definitely be proud of yourself. There are so many people that believe in you and that's such a full circle moment also. Of For sure. Something you loved when you were a little kid and now having dinner with. For sure. Pretty crazy. Um, like that's pretty crazy. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And where can people find Ashland and where can they buy it online? Any grocery stores? Yeah. If you live in Southern California, you're stoked because it's pretty much everywhere. Every grocery store there is out here outside of California, it's impossible. So, <laughs> um, but, but here every gro- every major grocery store has it and in, in California and then soon to be um, it'll start to get to um, many more places coming into next year and which will be exciting. We're looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you. How did you guys like today's episode? I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to screenshot it and post it on your story so other people can know that you are listening to today's podcast. Give it five stars on Apple Podcasts. That means a ton. It means so much to me. And also don't forget to screenshot your review if you do leave one and DM me so I can personally thank you. 
Also, another announcement that I have been making, but I always want to include this, is that Rella, my company, my startup, um, me and my co-founders started a podcast with it. So if you are interested in social media, in the world of social media, you want to hear social media growth tips, the power of social media, a deep dive into social media, then be sure to follow Rella Podcast um, everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Anyways, thank you guys again for listening, and I will see you guys in my next episode. Bye, guys. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.